Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, dew sweepers, and turf spankers. Here's Jeff. Just open up the door and let's take good times in. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling It's Green here on AM860 and the Golf News Network. I'm JT, as you probably uh, surmised already. We'd like to thank the folks, uh, first off, over at Painted Hills Natural Beef. That's beef the way nature intended. And um, as I've said many times, if you see me, you know I haven't missed too many meals. And part of that is... Painted Hills Natural Beef, and also Gunter Wilhelm Knives, unmatched quality, comfort, and efficiency. Um, check them out online at gunterwilhelm.com. We've got uh, one of Oregon's own. Actually, he started life in California, but he's ended up here for the last uh, 30 years. We've got uh, Brian Henniger with us today. And Brian, welcome. Oh, great to be on your show, on your show for sure. No worries. Um, it's been a while since you've been on tour uh not that long but a year or two and um how have things changed give us your overview of that kind of get that out of the way like like for me personally yes yeah um i guess i mean my story's a little bit different but i i did have um the unique opportunity to play the champions tour for a few years so at 45 i think that's about when i kind of stepped away from the pga tour kind of exhausting myself as a journeyman. I waited five years and then played almost five years on a champions tour, pretty much five, but I kind of had a limited schedule. I had one twice that gave me an opportunity to start out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd still be doing it if I had access. Um, so as I was out there contemplating life after, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is hard for us. I mean, I oh, yeah. spent my life, concerned and worried and preparing and trying to, you know, be better at my craft. I knew that the transition would be, um, you know, somewhat different, but I had this vision to build, um, an indoor space to train people. Um, I think it was through my, um, oh, experience with coaching and instructors and stuff like that. I wanted to kind of give back and see if I could make a, a, strong attempt at helping people organize themselves with instruction. So I built what is called the golf farm here in Tualatin. So that's what I've been doing for two years. Well, good for you. Now I've not been to the golf farm. Um, I do know where it's located and I've of course perused through your website several times there. Is it a big mental switch? Um, You were just kind of alluding to it, but I mean, from, from tuning up every week and getting ready to go play in a, in a tournament, you know, versus getting up every day and going, flipping on the lights and running your own business. 
Is that a little tougher? Oh, oh um, yeah, very different. I think me because I'm um, I'm a relationships person, so I'm very like I want people to come in here and have an, an incredible experience. So I get a lot of my emotion and time to this place. So it's it's very different in terms of that, but. Um, I'm still really competitive with the people that I coach. So whether it's a junior or it's a middle-aged guy that wants to get his handicap down or something, I'm definitely in it, you know, 200%. And so it's similar in the sense that, you know, golf was always on my mind and I was always kind of like training, you know, emotionally. I still do that with this. So if I go home at night, I'm still thinking about how I could have done something different or I had a really good day and I felt like, you know, people made some progress. Um, I'm very sensitive that way. So I think the the day-to-day, the hours are different. Um, but I think I built this place so I would say competitively, competitive psychologically. Mm-hmm. So. Does your wife ever have to, like, bean you in the head with a spatula or something and say, Brian, pay attention. We're not talking golf right now. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> she, we don't, actually. Kathy is one of the people that's... <laughs> She wasn't one of those, you know, hyper competitive um, spouses. So that was kind of a good thing because I took care of that and she took care of everything else. <laughs> no, she misses me being at home a little bit because I do spend a lot of time at the golf farm. Sure. Um, but no, it's, it's been different. Um, I miss, I miss the personal journey with myself. Um, I really enjoyed, I mean, when you're a competitor on the tour and your job is to always try to like improve your craft. I miss that individual solo stuff that I did by myself. Mm -hmm. Now it's very, now it's very, uh, I'm a big talker and I love to educate and I kind of wear myself out that way. Um, and before I'd be isolated by myself for hours at a time trying to just improve. And I, I miss being by myself. I guess that's one of the things that's different. Do you miss the relationship with the other tour players? I mean, at, at the ones that you went through your, or most of your career with, I mean, they've, some of them have yeah. moved on and, and gone to the champions tour. Some of them have stepped away from the game. And yeah. if you miss those relationships, do you still stay in touch with them? Any of them? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, like Scott McCarron's a really close friend. Um, Kevin Sutherland's a close friend, Owen Brown. I'm trying to think of the guys that I'm, you know, I can't, we came up the same way, Paul mm-hmm. Goidos, um, Grant Job, some of the guys that are still playing out there. No, I'm still cheerleading those guys. So I saw that Scott McCarron had a little bit of injury and we were texting the other day, Kevin Sutherland, and he's a top 10 guy out there every week. So I'm always kind of like, you know, making sure I applaud that. So I stay in touch with them a little bit, but yeah, the camaraderie, it's a very small fraternity out there. So, you know, week to week, year to year. I mean, you watch your kids grow up together, you go to dinner together, um, you know, you, you see when your one of your buddies is struggling, um, vice versa, somebody's playing really well. Um, yeah, I miss some of that stuff. I, and I miss the, the routine out there. The routine is kind of special um, in terms of how we prepare, how we get ready for the tournament, um, how we move on to the next event. Um, you know, we're very transient that way. So I miss a lot of the lifestyle. I mean, it's either there's a lot of talented kids that I coach now that have the ambition to do it, but it takes a, a unique person to go out there and get, you know, sucker punched all the time and get back up to fight another day. And that's kind of my personality. So yeah, part of that I miss. <laughs> do you, um, <laughs> do you miss the, you're talking about like going to dinner 
and the camaraderie there. Um, I worked in an industry, not the golf industry, but another one where we were kind of the same way. And it was this week we're in Portland. Next week we're in Denver. Uh, the next week we're in Dallas or whatever. And we're there for three, four, five, six, seven days, whatever it is. Um, the toughest part of me when I walked away from that was I actually kind of missed the travel a little bit. One hand, I missed it. The other hand, I always detested it because it never seemed like I got any proper rest or anything. Yeah. But uh, you have that same kind of uh, thoughts and feelings towards it? Oh, enormous. Yeah, I really miss the travel, uh, strangely. I mean, I'm, it's, it was a... A love-hate relationship, of course, just kind of like what you, you touched on. Mm-hmm. But, but I do miss those journeys, you know, some of the long days on on travel. But I always found the little things to kind of, you know, um, give my life that kind of appeal from that perspective. You know, I mean, like staring out the window in an airplane and seeing the vastness of our world, and oh yeah, staying in a hotel room and reading a good book or watching a movie by myself or going to dinner with my buddies, like you mentioned. Um, yeah, I really, I will always miss that lifestyle. All all aspects of it too, from you know the beginning when I was first starting as a collegiate player to playing mini tour golf to finally playing the PGA Tour, and then finally you know we get that little caveat of the Champions Tour to kind of like you know more you know continue as an older person but still enjoying the competition. So for sure, yeah. <laughs> the uh, mm-hmm. was it when you went to off the big tour to the champions tour and you, you'd had a couple three, four years there where you weren't doing it really, but it had to be also different, the environment. And we're going to run out of time for this segment. So I'm going to set you up for this question. And you can answer it when we come yeah. back, but the okay. environment of the champions tour versus the environment of the regular PGA tour, as far as even the size of the crowds and the venues and all that. If you'll think about that for a second, Brian, when we come back from break, uh, Brian's going to tell us what it was like to move on to the champions tour. You're listening to grilling at the green here on AM 860 and the golf news network. Everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Uh, I'm JT. Don't forget our folks. And our friends down at Langdon Farms have their Langdon Farms Grill Friday night prime rib special that's going on right now um, every Friday night. And Saturday nights, they've got music. In fact, I think that they expanded that to both nights, Friday and Saturday night there. So you can go online and figure that out um, and go down there and eat. It's a pretty good deal. Also, if you'd like to email us, it's info at grillingatthegreen.net. And we've got Facebook and Twitter and all those 17 platforms. There's a lot. Anyway, uh, we're talking with Brian. Uh, <laughs> Brian and I were talking about war wounds off the air. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty tough. 
But I set you up on a question before we went to break, Brian, is the fact that from you, you were on the big tour, you took a few years off, you went back to the champions tour and there had to be a bit of a difference. Not that it's a letdown, but it's just a different environment. I'm suggesting on the champions tour. Yeah. In in a lot of ways, I think the champions tour is almost a better product in terms of the um, socialization, the corporate kind of affiliation, all that kind of stuff. Cause what I noticed, instantly i remember my first event is a lot of the egos have been dropped at the front door at least partially mm-hmm. i mean we're all we all think we're the best golfer in the world but um <laughs> i i saw a you know like people just not so uptight and um very considerate of supporting each other and that kind of thing playing practice rounds and again it's a small little group out there i think they've reduced it a little bit but there's only 78 players a week um, um, exclusive of the major championships. Sure. So eight players with no cut. So everybody's going to get some form of payment when it's done. So um, you don't have that. And I mean, as a PGA Tour player, the top 125 is where you need to kind of fit in each year to kind of retain your, your exempt status. And mm-hmm. on the Champions Tour, the majority of those guys have enough career money or they've won major championships or have enough wins to sustain a career out there as long as they want to play. Um, I wasn't in that category, but um, uh, it's, it's just a more casual environment. Um, but the guys, when they tee off, you know, we feel like we're, we're back in our twenties and still really want to do well, you know, that, that self-esteem thing. So that's really the difference. I mean, I, I love the camaraderie out there. Um, it's a little fraternity of guys and much different than the PJ tour. And I haven't been on the PJ tour for a long time. So it's only gotten more competitive out there. And, you know, they've got entourages and they've got their swing coach and they've got the nutrition guy and they've got their mental guy. And so, um, I don't, wasn't really part of the PJ tour with all that going on. Um, and I'm kind of glad because it was, it was still a big business, but it wasn't like it was today. And the champions tour was such a refreshing, kind of template for, um, you know, as you kind of just wound down your career. I would think, cause if, you know, you're coming into a city, let's say you're going to go into, um, Dallas or Houston or someplace, you're going to play in one of the tournaments there. And today you would, you know, your agent or your business manager, or somebody's going to book a room for you. Uh, but they've also got other rooms to book for your entourage I don't know if, you know, depending on who you are and who you're looping for, caddy may get a room, caddy may be rooming with some other caddies, I, you know, you don't know. But uh, I would think in maybe back when you were playing the tour, it was maybe like you and your wife were there. Um, oh, you yeah. know, if the, you might, your kids might travel along with you, but you you basically, not that we didn't have agents, but for the most part, I did all my travel organization. My wife helped me, but, you know, we'd pick hotels and plane flights and all that kind of thing. So we had very little support outside ourselves. Um, but that is, it's so much bigger and broader now. So yeah, you touched on it. Every aspect that is different. Yeah. And it's, and you know, they kind of remind me of baby rock stars, uh, yes. you know, because, and, uh, you know, the old rock and roll world, which hence I came, so to speak from the radio business and, you know, they'd come in and you'd have a, you'd have usually an agent or a 
a promo guy or a PR guy or something that with them. And the, the bands would come through and say hi at the radio station, or maybe one guy from the band would come through like that and they would do that. And, you know, they might even have a drink with you or something like that. Now it's like the whole bloody entourage comes through, you know? Oh yeah. And very, very good. It was changing a little bit when I got out there, of course, you know, nutrition became a little bit of a thing, you know, workouts became more imperative. Um, but now it's like these guys are in the gym after they play. You know what I mean? That probably, I know some of them probably have chefs, you know, mm -hmm. probably the tour flies in, on private planes. They're not schlepping their stuff through the middle of DFW with their cases, <laughs> golf clubs. You know yeah. I mean? I don't think they drive right up to their plane. They get on and they go home or they go to the next event. So um, that whole visual aspect of the tour is so different than I'm, familiar with um i can only imagine and it's again it's it's really tough um there's a lot of things about the tour that's so different and length is a a huge um aspect of it now as we witnessed in the u.s open with matt wolf and bryson DeChambeau. oh yeah those guys just hit it in the next county i mean oh it's just it's crazy incredible. i played i played the 96 um pga championship i believe i think it was 96 when davis love won at Wingfoot. And it's a hard golf course, but nothing like the rough that, that, that I kind of observed on TV. And for those guys, even when they were hitting at 300 plus and they were hitting the rough, they were able to like move that ball out of the rough. I mean, back then we would have been just trying to get it to the fairway. I mean, truly. So yeah. <laughs> um, the enormous horsepower back to your old stomping grounds and the things that you loved and kind of made part of your lifestyle is like, those guys have some significant ability to kind of move a golf ball differently than what I was familiar with. We were, we were built on finesse, um, rhythm, all those kind of things. Cause back then the golf ball didn't go very far. None of us swung very far. The golf ball went, God, for most of us, we'd walk out in the fairway back in the nineties and we would be within 10, 15 yards of ourselves. I mean, it didn't matter if I was playing with John Daly or Fred couples, um, I still had enough length to stay in the same sure. vicinity of them. Now, if I was playing with Brian Sidney Chambeau, it could be 100, 150 yards difference between my drive and his. I mean, it's been an enormous change. Yeah. So golf has evolved differently. I mean, I still enjoy it. I love watching golf. I mean, it's just a different game. And it's a different game than what I see on the Champions Tour now. There's some, you know, Bill Mickelson has, has stepped out there and won a couple of events, and he still has a lot of power, but the majority of guys out there are still old school. We still hit our seven irons, 160 yards. It's not that much different. Now you see on the tour, those guys hit seven irons, 190 yards. I mean, it's significantly different, oh, different game. Oh yeah. We're going to take a break here on grilling at the green. Brian and I are going to be back in just a minute. Please stay with us. Uh, this is good stuff. Hey, it's JT. And this part of grilling at the green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Welcome, welcome back to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. We've got Brian Henniger with us today. We're we're having more fun off the air today, actually. Uh, it's all good. Um, the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef graciously sponsor this show, and it's the way beef, uh, uh, the way nature intended beef to be. I'm all tongue tied now. And Ben Hogan Golf Tour quality clubs at factory direct prices. That's BenHoganGolf.com. 
email us at info at grillingatthegreen.net or just send a carrier pigeon. I don't care. Um, we're talking with Brian Hanniger today. And <clears throat> we're talking about the difference in the in the tours. Even the difference, though, like when you were playing and, and kind of getting started back when, well, let's see, it's uh, Corn Ferry, it was Nike, it was Ben Hogan, it was Pop-Tarts. I don't know what it was. It seems like it changes its name every few years. But, yeah. um, man, the uh, I, I guess I can't get over Corn Ferry, and it has nothing to do with food, but it just sounds like a strange name to me, but big company. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that is, you know, you're you're working you're earning your bones you're working up to the big tour and that but even that is so different today like we were talking off the air it's incredible oh it's just a massive i just mentioned to you jeff about um and i would think it was 95 96 i finished top 20 in driving distance at 276 i believe yeah and then the ball changed they went to kind of a more four piece versus the wow and ballada ball and i think I think the, what the data was suggesting is that if you swung at 110 miles an hour or more, you got about a mile or a yard per mile per hour over. So if you, if I swung at 110 and you swung at 111, you'd get a uh, a yard. Okay. So you'd be pretty right next to each other. Now, then it with the new ball, it became about three and a half. So you can imagine somebody like me, I think it's the peak of my career. I probably swung at about 110. Now these guys swing at 120, 125. So you can imagine three and a half yards per mile per hour, 110. I mean, that guy's significantly further than I was at the peak of my career when I was banging it, you know, a total of 276, probably flying the ball 255 or something. Yeah. Now, now these guys all try to get to at least minimum 170 ball speed. Some of them get up to 180 in Bryson's. Um, what he's trying to cheap right now is 190 ball speed. Those guys carrying balls over 300 yards. I mean, it just seems just, it's obnoxious how far they hit it. So they literally like it, especially now with all the data that's telling them, you know, just drive it down there as far as you can, whether it's in the rough, you'll have better advantage out of the rough than you will if you're 40 or 50 yards back. So that's kind of what the statistics show. If you hit it far, you're probably going to score lower and you're going to earn more money by the end of the year. So the game's really changed from the rhythm component that, you know, the majority of I'm trying to think of the people that like just have to, you know, from Payne Stewart to mm -hmm. Davis Love, you know, I'm trying to think of some of these people that I just marveled at when I watched them on the range, but, you know, Fred Couples too, even though, you know, Fred had a, quite a bit more power than, you know, the, the average guy, but, they swung in rhythm. Now these guys absolutely swing out of their shoes. They're jumping off the ground. There's so many different matrix that help support this advantage from biomechanics experts to track man, which is our radar um, ball flight things that yeah. give us all the answers on what's going on. 3D motion capture, all this new technology is helping force plates on the ground, how to like push out of the ground. They're enabling all these people to achieve some speeds that they never thought they could, along with some gym and getting stronger and that kind of thing. But basically, there's just a lot, lot more information. Um, instructions come a lot, a long ways. Um, I think most of us teach similarly now, um, and um, the lines are are better. They're more efficient, and there's just better sport performance coaches out there, from you know mental to physical. Um, the game has just evolved into it's such a different game. 
I mean, it's, it's different, not in a bad way. It's just different than what I was familiar with. You know, when we played shorter golf courses, um, it was imperative to hit the fairway, um, and then have finesse with, you know, your, your mid irons and stuff like that. Now sure. it's, it's just basically hit as far as you can and, and have four or five wedges in your bag. Do you think, um, because now you've been teaching and stuff for a while and coming up through the different tours and collegiate yep. and all that. So do you think that sometimes that all that data and all the stuff, you know, you got to have this new driver cause you see it on TV and it's 466 CCs of pure dynamite and blah, 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 blah. Um, mm-hmm. do you think that sometimes that is maybe not a good thing for your average weekend warrior out there trying to swing out of their shoes because one, their body probably isn't in the shape to do that consistently. And two, if they do connect and it goes, you know, way down the gallery and then that's fine. But what do they do after that? You know, they're not that skilled. So, I mean, have you ever seen that kind of thing happen with people maybe that you're coaching or see it when you're, you know, playing with somebody on the course? Definitely. Um, it just, it depends on the athlete. So I'm very cognizant of that when they, when people come in the golf farm, depending on what I think their physical ability is or limitations, all that kind of stuff, because there's a compromise there, right? If you start swinging too fast or out of control, out of balance, all those things, you start to lose the efficiency with the strike and that's enormous. So um, that's another thing that some of the feedback gives us from the data through TrackMan. I own three of them here at the golf farm is that if they don't hit it center phase, I don't care how fast you're swinging or your dynamics aren't very good from like attack angle to path to spin loft, all those kind of things. Those will compromise the ability to move that golf ball. So a lot of times people are much more effective swinging within themselves than they are swinging fast. So you're exactly right. Yeah, I, I've actually played with some guys like that, Brian. I, I played with one, and I it was just a, a pickup at the course, I, so I have no idea yep. who he was. And this guy could uh, – his dad was a doctor. His dad was very proud of him. And this guy was a business guy. They're very nice people like this. And this guy could literally paste the um, sirloin af- off, the, <laughs> off the ball, you know. But yeah. you never know exactly where it was going to go. Um, you know, if it was going to stay in a reasonable, you know, on path situation mm-hmm. and then you got up there and the short game was crap. So yep. I'm like, okay, he can hit it a mile, but I'd still rather hit it with guys that hit it, a, you know, 185 to 200 yards and keep it in the fairway. So that's kind of yeah, my, often, my thing. Yeah, I think you're right too. I think, um, you know, especially in here, you, you know, you can, people want to get better with hitting a golf ball, of course, and that's the fun part, or hitting their driver a little bit further, or that kind of thing. But probably the most significant thing that I can help people here with the golf farm is is just putting and chipping. They can save strokes quicker with their short games than they can hitting a golf ball a little bit better. First of all, the hardest thing is if you picked up the game at a pretty early age, right, and you didn't have a lot of instruction and you you started to build these motor patterns that had a bunch of flaws in them and stuff like that. They're really hard to bust up. And that's one thing in here is I, I educate people and I try to organize them and challenge them to, to change motor patterns. And that takes hours and hours of effort, you know what I mean? And going slow and starting to feel different dynamics in there. So 
I'm just I'm, your audience right now. I'm telling you, it's really, really difficult to change your behavior. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it can be changed, but it takes, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of understanding. That's what's unique about we, we can kind of flip right here and segue to Tiger Woods. He's worked with a variety of coaches, made some significant changes from, from what, you know, somebody like me that studies and researches golf swings sure. and played, played really well with all from Butch Harmon to Hank Haney to Sean Foley. Um, I don't know. He's working, worked with Chris Como, but he was, he was effective with all of them and was able to actually nurture and foster and change with each and every one of them, which seems, cause I know what it is. I mean, I'm still struggling. I've always struggled with my golf swing. I mean, it, it's effective enough, but it's still really hard to change. So that's the tricky part of being a coach. Um, and I feel like I'm much more performance related. So when people come to the golf farm, I'm kind of aware of that. So I kind of embrace some of their nuance and then try to pick out a specific piece that I think they can resolve um, and not make it too complicated. There you go. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back, uh, Brian and I, in a couple of minutes. Bruce Furman will be with us for a second when we get back. And then we're going to talk about the golf farm right here on Grilling at the Green. everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here on AM860 and the Golf News Network. Uh, we've got some great stuff coming up for you. Don't forget the Masters is next week. So we'll, um, I've got John Hawkins coming on for his proverbial take, and also Gary Van Cynical will be on in a couple of weeks. Uh, I always love talking to Van Cynical because he's cynical and he's funny. Um, so we have those coming up along with some other guests um, over between now and Christmas. And we got a couple of special Christmas shows coming up about uh, things you can give your golfer or you can suggest to people who might give it to you if you're a golfer. Or you can just flat tell your wife what you want for Christmas. Anyway, we got that. So here's Bruce Furman with his tip of the week. Today's tip, I'm going to talk a little bit on how to start your backswing. Uh, a lot of people ask me that, and there's different ways of, of doing it. But when you study swings, and I have a um, computer program, and I have uh, lots of tour pro swings that I've studied over the years. And a lot of my I film myself, believe it or not, down at different tournaments. And when you look at it and you really study it closely, you'll see that most tour pros actually have a subtle move off the ball, meaning if you're right-handed, you're moving to the right. And believe it or not, when you look at it you know, with a computer program, you'll see that they actually start that move a lot of times before they even move the club. So they, they move the club with that subtle move to the right, and then the coil, the turn begins as they move to the right, and that left shoulder then will go under their chin, behind the ball. Their back will be to the target. They'll, they'll put weight into their right leg, 75 or so. That right hip will go back, and they'll, they'll load up that right leg. Their left knee should go out toward the ball. So when you 
start your swing, that little subtle move to the right, and then feel that coil into your back leg, that'll help you get the club started in a, in a tour pro uh, way, and, and you'll play much better rather than just keeping your, your body still and pulling the club back like a lot of people do. Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. You can find Bruce at the uh, Langdon Farms website. He's got his winter series going on down there. Um, works out good. I've done a couple of them in the past. They're a lot of fun. And with everything that's been going on <laughs> lately between COVIDs and elections and all that stuff, maybe do yourself a little favor and Either go down and see him or go down and see Brian because Brian's got the golf farm, and we're going to talk about that right now. We've got a few minutes left here. Um, tell them how, what you do, and where it is, and how they can find you. Yeah, so um, the golf farm is located in Tualatin. It's at 20160 Southwest 112th Avenue. Um, we, I built this business around... Um, retention. So we have about 40 members here. And then um, Amy, my partner, schedules um, the availability for golf lessons. So that's that's kind of what the golf bar represents. We have three projectors inside the building. It's about 4,500 square feet. Um, we have TrackMans, which are radar systems that give us a lot of analytics about what the golf ball does. We have a putting green and gym and fit, fitness equipment, um, along with a little bit of a, a waiting area with couches and TV. So that's kind of what the golf farm is, and we, we just try to help people get a little bit better with our golf games. Now, you're going to think I'm being snarky, Brian, and I'm not, but you're not one of those guys that says, by the way, I've got this $750 driver over here that'll fix everything for you. <laughs> nope. I'm trying to, you know, really, I mean, it's, you know, this whole concept was developed and derived through a lot of, the coaching that I had and a lot of it was ambiguous for a very long time. You know, I'd go to one top elite guy and I'd hear one thing and, you know, um, I go to another one, I'd hear something else. And what I, I re recognized with myself as I was trying to make a career out of hitting a golf ball, putting a golf ball, chipping a golf ball was nobody really organized me enough, you know, like, like just give me some pretty simple things that I can kind of drill out until I kind of master those. And then maybe we can move on. And that's, that's what I kind of pr promise each each person that steps in into the golf farm is that I'm going to educate them. I'm going to show them how they can be more effective through a little bit better, you know, it could be pivot motion. It could be how they orient the shaft, the face, all those kind of things. Sure. And then when they leave here, I'm hoping that they feel like they can go to the practice range and they can self-coach themselves. They can self-teach themselves. I think that's when I feel like I've fulfilled my my job. Uh, I, if you can do that, I think you've done a hell of a job, Brian, really, <laughs> truthfully. Um, we're going to get out of here. I want to thank uh, Brian Henniger for being with us today. He's going to stick around for the after hours. Like I said, that's where we can tell dirty jokes and stuff. But um, you can find Brian at the golf farm. And um, I need to come over and see it and say hi to you and uh see everything that you do but uh, and I'll, real quickly i'm gonna throw you something here i'm assuming that you could uh people can either purchase lessons or buy a gift card for somebody for christmas from you guys or what have you uh henningergolffarm.com and that should be launched in the next few days so we're really excited about it 
Excellent. Excellent. Brian, thank you for stopping by the show today. Folks, we'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Uh, take care out there and be nice to somebody. Grilling at the Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, all rights reserved.